Jack Sherry on 2FM. Now, though, it is half ten. It's Sunday. That means it's time for us to talk pop culture, and we have got a lot to talk about. Today, I am joined by 2FM presenter and host of Housewives and Me, the podcast, is Connor Bean. Hello, Connor Bean. Good morning, Louise. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm good. Now, I should just address the elephant in the room. Um, I, I live in a very city centre part of Dublin and I've just had a seagull attack in the last like two minutes outside my window. So if you hear squawking and chirping, it's the seagulls. Did the seagull <laughs> attack you? No, it's just they kind of, they swarm. I overlooked like kind of this like courtyard thing and they swarm around and because it's raining and windy, they just appeared. It was like a hurricane of seagulls during that song and I was like, we just get out of here on the radio thing to do. So they just disappeared so I think we're good but just in case you hear a squawk or chirping, it's not me. Look, it's the seagulls. It's just a bit of atmos, as we say in the business. <laughs> yeah, one year in, this is what radio is going to have to sound like, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, okay. All right, we will keep that in mind. Do not yes. worry. Um, so, look, we have to start with um, the big story. And the big story yeah. is Harry and Meghan. What a week. I know. I mean, to think that this time last week they were kind of gearing up to air the interview stateside. I think it aired at like 1 or 2 a.m. Irish time, you know, this time last week in the U.S. And, of course... At the time, the UK media and the press were usually like in the court of the royals. We're still in a royal family. They would see this kind of stuff ahead of time. No one had seen the interview. It was just little clips that had come out. So I think that did create a lot of anticipation for us. But at the same time, a lot of people, I think, thought that really we weren't going to get much out of it. Like, I think people thought, oh, they're not really going to say anything. But they did. I know. I kind of thought, oh, this, I mean, I love Oprah is obviously oh. an icon of pop culture but she's also a great interviewer and I think we forget that sometimes because she is so like she's so iconic in pop culture in general mm. and no, I kind of she thought, is the best exactly I was watching going there's a reason why you are one of the world's greatest broadcasters oh, yeah. but um I, I felt quite the same I thought oh this is probably a bit of a puff piece and of course you know there's that weird thing where some people stayed up here to watch it live but we were seeing the clips and the quotes as it kind of came out on Monday and then we all got to see it properly on Irish TV on Monday night and the thing that struck me when I actually watched it was sure there's some tea and there's some gossip in there but it's quite a and I'm not a huge royal family fan in general but I find it to be quite it's quite depressing it's not a they're not their muckraking their their family members and talk to they're trying to explain a very difficult situation that they they've been through personally and the different kind of issues like Megan talking about the fact that she faced racism and there's obviously sexism involved yeah. and her, her you know dealing with suicidal ideation and then Harry's own issues with his family it was not by any means a fun thing to watch although it was certainly very illuminating yeah i actually i have a clip here of um megan and oprah talking about some of the racism so we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security he's not going to be given a title and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born what about how dark your baby is going to be potentially and what that would mean or look like that was relayed to me from harry those were conversations that family had with him that is i think you know because after the interview a lot of people said oh the the royal family won't they won't comment on this like they won't acknowledge it at all but i think that was the bit that they couldn't ignore um and when they did release the queen released a statement um and I mean, even just that, even the idea of yeah. like members of the royal family being on TV interviewed by Oprah and then the queen responding to it is just, I mean, I can't wait for this series of The Crown. But, <laughs> um, you know, I think it was that allegation of racism um, or that experience of racism um, that that meant the royal family had to respond. I think so, too. And I would imagine in a way they could have 
respond in any number of ways. They could have tried to make, I don't know, rebuttal everything that was said in the interview. Or did, I think they were probably thinking this is the one thing that's going to stick. And also there was this weird kind of speculation of who said it. And Oprah kind of mentioned in it. She was on CBS this morning, the day after the interview aired in the States, saying, well, Harry told me it wasn't his grandfather or his grandmother, but other than that. So it's kind of left this thing wide open up. There's almost like this, it's like a weird, morbid, racist guess who game now, where everyone's like, who could it have been? So I'm sure they, yeah, you're right. It's, you know, some of the, the UK press got a hard time in the interview, and I think in a lot of ways, deservedly so, because in certain quarters, the tone of the coverage has been crazy. But it's also funny because, they've been kind of saying oh my god this is the biggest scandal with the royal family in hundreds of years whatever and that feels a bit over the top but it is an unprecedented and kind of jaw-dropping time because we're seeing like as you say the royal family reacting to a u.s tv interview with oprah that was viewed by apparently according to cbs over nearly 50 million people worldwide so it's kind of surreal to see this all happening because day after day this week it felt like there's a different thing happening in relation to the interview. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, it, we really didn't... Well, I certainly have never really had that much insight into the actual mechanics of the royal family. You know, elements of it, like, for example, um, the Oprah saying, well, surely the Queen can do what she wants to do. And Harry saying, um, very diplomatically, I think, saying, well, when you are the head of the firm, as they called it, um, you know, you get a lot of advice and not all that advice is good. The suggestion being that actually the Queen is not in charge. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, even the, the references to the firm and the institution at first were a bit off-putting, but it made you realise um, just, like, the layers of kind of... There's a lot of people... I mean, you hear even just with celebrities, right? They have teams and managers, and there's, like, people around them and entourage. This is like that at another level. And then you do realise, and I thought the interview itself made a good... Because I, you have to remember this was airing for American audiences, yeah. too, who perceive all of this very differently. Even small things, like when they were talking about the tabloids. Like, in the U.S., they have some tabloids newspapers, but I think when Americans think of tabloids, they think of Us Weekly and People magazine in Iraq in a supermarket, whereas when we think of a tabloid, we think of newspapers yeah. that are formatted a certain way and are known for a certain kind of coverage. So I thought it was interesting that they broke down just how much the UK media is in the pocket of the royal family, but yeah. vice versa, in that the royal family feel beholden to the press in a way that actually when you think of celebrity in general now sure celebrities like getting magazine covers or giving exclusive interviews but in a social media era i think celebrities in in the more traditional sense rely on traditional media a lot less whereas the royal family is helping to prop up an industry that if we're being honest because we work in it is struggling so like that is part of the piece actually i was on i was trying to lottie when she was coming for jennifer in the summer i I wouldn't be a huge royal family fan but was asked to review the book Finding Freedom, the kind of the book written by world journalists who knew, who kind of worked closely with Harry and Meghan, and at the time the book got some flack for being a bit too much of a puffy about them, and I, there is that element. But if you if anyone was more interested in the mechanics of all this stuff, I found that book was very illuminating on that and mm. kind of the layers involved and what the teams are and who works for who and how it all works. Again, that book is kind of very much pro Meghan and Harry. Some of it I was like, okay, pinch of salt. It's written a bit faffily, but that side of it. Knowing about that going into this interview was very eye-opening because, as you say, it's just realising that it's not just the people that are standing out waving at as like dignitaries. There is a whole machine around it and it's very traditional. And it is... I mean, this is a, this interview was about institutions and I think culturally how we should maybe stop thinking certain institutions are going to move and be progressive and maybe it's more about removing those institutions or yeah. 
stepping away from them that re- that was something I took away from it. maybe that's yeah. just me being a total lefty about it so yeah. I don't know no no I think I think that's a fair a fair point um, now of course there was lots of fallout from this Sharon Osbourne there was a big kind of scandal yeah. around her um, which she has apologised for supporting Pierce Morgan Jedwards <laughs> Jedwards <laughs> had, had, had you know support to offer to uh, Harry and Meghan Prince William was at an event during the week and he said that the royal family are definitely not racist that he hadn't spoken to Harry but that he would but I think it's the Pierce Morgan thing the Pierce Morgan of it all that is the most interesting because of course Pierce Morgan is no longer in his job it's bizarre because Pierce Morgan of course we would know he was one of the hosts of Good Morning Britain a big flagship uh, morning breakfast kind of panel politics news show one of those kind of hyper programs that is massive for ITV who funny enough also aired the Harry and Meghan interview in the UK so that to me was an interesting clash of, of interest so Piers Morgan for years has been going awful. after Meg. Awful to Meg. I mean, I'm not, not a fan of him Megan, in general. To yeah, I'm not a fan of Piers Morgan. I do understand that, like, when you're doing those kind of problems, you need people from different backgrounds and different points of view. Fine, that doesn't. That's on paper. I have an issue with that. But Piers Morgan has, you know, terms of just kind of shock jock personality who will go after people. In this case, Meghan Markle. He loves to talk about this one time they went for drinks at Soho. Her, Went for drinks in a local pub and then she went off to Soho House to meet Harry is the story he tells and then never spoke to her again. I mean, I think people have gone back and forth about some of the claims he's made around his time spent with Meghan. But that has turned him into this kind of like, well, I know the real Meghan Markle and I think she's a liar, this, that and the other. I think the the line he really crossed on Monday on ITV was the clips had come out of the interview and obviously the conversation about how Meghan had felt suicidal and how... Her men- how she wasn't supported in that, how she couldn't access mental health supports, even being in the royal family. I actually, Connor, have a little clip of her, so oh, let's great. have a listen. Look, I was really ashamed to say it at the time and ashamed to have to admit it to Harry, especially, because I know how much loss he suffered. Mm-hmm. But I knew that if I didn't say it, that I would do it. And I, I just didn't, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. And that was a very clear and real and frightening, constant thought. So that's what Megan said. And then what did Pierce say? Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to play a clip. <laughs> sorry. Oh, could you not hear that there? I did, I did play a clip. Sorry. It was Megan, Megan talking about her mental health. No, I heard the Megan clip. Sorry. I thought you were about to play uh, a Pierce Oh, Pierce. No, Meg. no. Well, I, well, no, I have that too. Let's have a listen. Well, this isn't him talking about, um, about Megan. I'll, I'll play you the Pierce clip in a minute. So what did Pierce say? <laughs> sorry. Apologies. Because no. we people don't, we're not in the studio. So I can't see you. So no, I was it's like, fine. Oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. So, you know, Pierce basically said, to paraphrase slightly, he said that he didn't believe that that was true that she was just saying that because to Piers Morgan Meghan Markle is this master manipulator schemer like she's not, she's just saying this for attention to not bring her down the royal family and it's this thing of like whatever you might think of an individual celebrity or public figure I think personally and not to get on my high horse if you're a broadcaster and you're talking about mental health and suicide you have a duty to talk about it in a responsible way and he just yeah. didn't he turned it into a, a kind of a thing to turn against her and there was a lot of people were breaking down the level of coverage that Good Morning Britain did on the interview that day and how long it took and how much Piers Morgan talked about in general. But I think the complaints really came in. Like for, for, 41,000 people complained to British Broadcasting Watchdog Ofcom over it. There's a mental health charity called Mind in the UK that have worked with ITV. They came out and condemned him. And so the next day it was announced that Piers Morgan will be leaving the show. Despite And on Tuesday he sort of seemed to apologise. Then Tuesday at daytime he's taken off the show and then... 
after he left, he kind of doubled down and went, no, I actually, I don't, still don't believe her. So. Well, there was a big confrontation, wasn't there? The day after it all happened, he had everything to say. His colleague, um, who does the weather on the show and sometimes fills in as an anchor, basically basically kind of you know ripped him apart but in a very polite way I felt and said that he felt he'd been inappropriate and and Piers actually stormed off I have a little clip of that and I understand that you don't like Meghan Markle you've made it so clear a number of times on this program but yet you continue to trash her okay I'm done with this no 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 sorry no oh, sorry so, do you know what that's pathetic you can trash him maybe not my no own no, no no I'm, See you later. I'm being so- sorry can't this do is this. absolutely diabolical behaviour. It is like he, when when Alex says this is pathetic, he's so right. It is pathetic. Like it's absolutely pathetic. And anyway, long story short, as you say, he hasn't gone back to Good Morning Britain. And um, you know, it's just it's hard because he will be back in some form. He'll be yeah. somewhere, um, because all of this drives audience apparently. Um, but you know, there have to be consequences. You can't just say whatever you want. Like you just can't. You know, I know. Yeah. Words have power. I think it ties into this is slightly off topic, but I actually think it ties to how Megan has been covered and treated both before this interview and after. There is a sense that in the UK, a kind of more right skewing kind of tone and viewpoint is becoming really like entrenched. And they are creating this. And Piers Morgan loves this narrative of. I'm a victim of cancel culture. My freedom of speech is impinged and I can't say anything. And despite the fact that he's been allowed to say all manner of awfulness up and down the airways for decades. So it's kind of, I'm sure he will, there's rumours he might turn up in Great Britain News, which is a new news network to be launched later on this year in the UK, which is to skew more conservative. But there's, all, there's been kind of reports back and forth since that peers may still do other stuff with ITV. I mean, I'd, I'm, I think he won't be hurting for opportunities, particularly in the climate that, exists now in the media where if you go very far into being kind of a professional troll you will be rewarded i'm sure he's thinking up of his next like diatribe to write anyway 100 percent. it's wild like i've been thinking about this a lot this idea of like using and a lot of the time people like to use woke you know in and they use it in air quotes as an insult to -hmm. people when like really all you know obviously that that mean that word has a lot of meaning specifically to the african-american community but you know as a as a broader concept in the way it's been adopted you know by other kind of communities and societies it just means being sensitive to other people's needs and experiences and like how can that be a bad thing like why if you are someone who has a problem with people being sensitive to other people's needs and experiences then the problem is literally yours and you need to f- seek help and that Piers morgan like he cannot be a happy man, I don't think. Anyway, look, we I could yeah, talk about could it talk all, about day. Fears all day. Yeah, but yeah. We've got loads and loads <laughs> and loads of say. other stuff to talk about. So <laughs> Little Mix have been talking about how they were told not to call themselves feminists when they were a new band. Yeah, so they uh, accepted an award uh, virtually at the Glamour Women of the Year Awards uh, this week. They're, I think, on one of their digital covers and they received the Game Changers Award. But they were in the video, it's kind of more like an interview style segment where they talk about how far they've come and how vocal they are in certain issues. And they were kind of reminiscing on an early red carpet interview where a, a journalist had asked them if they were feminists and they weren't sure how to answer the question. The aunt in the group said we were even told not to say we were feminists. So I think we steered away from it and tried to avoid the situation so that they had kind of been advised. Yeah. If you think about it, Little Mix have been together for just coming up on 10 years. And yeah. I do remember there was sort of a trend 10 years ago. Like feminism is not a trend, obviously, but there was a moment where certain feminist discourse had gone very mainstream and it was very yeah. trendy to ask celebrities, well, are you a feminist? And the reality was a lot of, uh, I think a lot of celebrities hadn't read up much on the current 
conversation around it. And so they just kind of be like, well, I believe in equal rights, but I'm not a man hater. And it was always these really awkward, like celebrity interviews where yeah. like, it'd be the one question that would kind of tank the scenario. Well, a even bit, Taylor, so. Taylor Swift, I remember, wouldn't call herself a feminist. But I remember um, I used to be, before I was a radio presenter, I worked as a radio researcher uh, for many years. And uh, I remember a presenter who I worked with at the time was in a newspaper feature about feminism. And um, this would be about probably 15 years ago. And um, she came back and said she couldn't believe it. They, they had struggled to find five women in Ireland in Irish life who would publicly call themselves feminists which just goes to show you like how things have changed in 15 years you know Um, Mm. and it'll be interesting to see whether we cycle back out of it again okay um, now next Jon Snow Channel 4 News is a father again at 73 at the grand age of 73 so he announced this week that himself and his wife Precious Lunga had welcomed a new baby uh, into their family on the 2nd of March after what they called numerous medical setbacks and miscarriages. So uh, John Snow and his wife, Precious Lunga, have been married for about 11 years. Precious is 46. John is 73. They said in their statement that basically they have been trying to seal our now 11 years of marriage with a baby. And they'd obviously had a lot of setbacks around uh, miscarriages and medical stuff, which is obviously really difficult for anyone who wants yeah. to have a child. So they thanked their surrogate and said, amid these challenging times, we feel doubly blessed to be able to celebrate our good fortune. It's really lovely because I think the unfortunate thing is when you hear about an older man, um, you you know, not being pregnant, having a new baby, um, you kind of, your mind immediately goes to the the story that you usually hear, which is like, you know, a man in his 70s with a woman in their 20s. And yeah. I was like, not Jon Snow. But then, <laughs> but then yes. when I read and realized, he, you know, they had been together, married for 11 years and, um, you know, that they had been through the ringer trying to have this baby. I'm so delighted for them. I'm really happy. Now, uh, this is, I love this. This brought me a lot of joy this week. Some photos have emerged (laughs) of Lady Gaga and Adam Driver filming for their new film. And my God, does it look beautiful. So, yes. So these photos have both between Gaga's own social media and paparazzi photos that have been just tweeted to death. So they're starring in a movie called House of Gucci. It's directed by Ridley Scott. Gaga is playing Patrizia Regnani. I'm trying to do the Italian because you know she's going to do the Italian accent for her press tour. <laughs> and Adam is. Driver is playing Rizzo Gucci. He was an heir to the Gucci fashion house. They were married in the 70s, divorced in the 80s. He was uh, Gucci was then killed by Hitman in the early 90s. And it emerged that Patrizia Reggiani had actually organized the hit. So she had killed her husband. So it's the story of how they get together, fall apart, and she has him killed. Reggiani in real life was sentenced to prison in 1997, got out in 2014, and this week was like, Lady Gaga hasn't even consulted with me for the role. I'm like, you literally killed your husband. Like, we don't need to have this conversation. (laughs) But why they've kind of gone viral was photos and filming uh, on location in Italy have gone viral because Gaga's in like, you know, got brown hair. She's wearing very like slightly campy, very Italian fashions. Uh, Gaga posted a photo of herself and Adam Driver in ski wear on location with the caption, Mr. Mrs. Gucci. So... She's clearly having a blast and we're having a blast just watching the photos. Well, I mean, hello, Adam Driver plus Lady Gaga plus Gucci plus 80s fashion. Like that sounds like pure heaven to me. And Ridley Scott doesn't really make bad films. So it's a very exciting time. And finally, Connor, before I let you go, um, there's just one more story that I felt we should touch on this week. Um, And I mentioned it earlier. No Sunday would be complete without a chat about a bear taking a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yes, so Elizabeth Banks, actor, director, she has uh, working on a brand new movie, according to Variety, they report she's directing the film 
With a working title, I hope they keep the title of Cocaine Bear, which they're billing as a character-driven thriller inspired by true events that took place in Kentucky in 1985. So basically what happened was there was a drug smuggler who parachuted from a plane carrying like a large, large amount of cocaine. He unfortunately fell to his death and the drugs fell beside him and a bear came along the woods and took on some of the 14 cocaine containers and then sadly the bear died of an overdose. So it's meant to be a story about how all that happened. So oh, I didn't I'm hoping know the they bear keep the died. I've been all yeah. speaking about it like as if it's hilarious. <laughs> now, now I feel bad. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's when you say your movie's called Cocaine Bear, it's hard not to just giggle. You know, I, I can't, I'm curious what they'll change it to. Maybe something like, I don't know, I, can't, I actually can't think of a better title, but we'll see. Elizabeth Banks doesn't really have the track record of Ridley Scott though, does she? No, I mean, she directed Pitch Perfect 2, which is Pitch Perfect 2, but I think the biggest thing Pitch she's Perfect done... Pitch Perfect 2, ex- which I found to be absolutely appalling. Just just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and then she directed the Charlie's Angels reboot, which I'm sad to say, as someone who loved the first two movies back in the early 2000s, was, the reboot was really, really... No, no one was rooting harder for a 2019 Charlie's Angels than me, and it just was not good. <laughs> you need to know how upsetting that was for me personally. <laughs> I love it. Connor is going to bed with his poster of Lucy Liu, Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore on the wall, praying to it every night. Please let it be good. Please let it be good. And, and it wasn't. It really wasn't, was it? Oh. No. Nope. Um, okay, well, before I let you go, Connor, Housewives and Me, give it a little plug there. Yes, yeah, so it's a brand new podcast about why we love the Real Housewives. Louise, you have been a guest. We've had people like uh, Darren Garrahy, Evan Ross Katz, Brian Moylan. This week's guest is an illustrator called Dominic. And the week after that, will I reveal who it is? Will I give you, any, will I give you the first Give reveal? me an exclusive. Elizabeth Day will be on Housewives and Ooh. Me talking about her love of all things Real Housewives. That's coming up in a couple of weeks on the I podcast as well. I didn't know Elizabeth Day liked the Housewives. Oh, she's like you or I. You could sit her down for it. She's seen it. Louise, she's probably up there with you in terms of Housewives knowledge. That's all I'll say. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. Well, that's great news. Okay. Well, Connor Bean, I can't wait to listen to that. Um, I Thank hope you. you have a lovely rest of the day. And uh, mind those seagulls now. I don't want you to be, you know, <laughs> yes. injured permanently. Don't lose an eye. <laughs> I hope it didn't ruin the broadcast. <laughs> Not at all, no. That. A bit of atmosphere. Thanks a million, okay. Connor. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Louise McSharry on 2FM.